This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I hope everyone is having a fantastic evening, a fantastic morning, a fantastic day, whatever it is, folks, because I am just having a wonderful day. No baby yet, folks. There's the update. No baby yet. My wife is out walking, and uh, she's been getting a lot of the Braxton Hicks contractions now in the back, and they wrap around to the front, and so the baby is getting ready for its exit, I believe. Uh, so hopefully we'll have some good news on that in the coming days, folks. Thank you to everyone sending us well wishes. You guys are reaching out on Twitter, on pain.tv slash gold, all over the place. So I appreciate that. I share all those with my wife, and it is very, very humbling to know that there are people out there that I've never even met in person, I've never spoken to on the phone, that care about us and are praying for us so thank you very much really from the bottom of our hearts we truly appreciate it thank you to everyone who has joined pain.tv slash gold and thank you to everyone who has left a five-star review and a comment over at apple Podcasts. the show is growing and we really do appreciate that as well hopefully it's going to take several months folks several months before i get it to where i need it to be before i can start doing a lot of additional content and i don't know i'm eventually really want to go out there and be able to speak about this kind of stuff once i really have it all summarized and we're able to publish that thomas Paine common sense style brochure on what technocratic transhumanism is uh my friend chrissy piccolo is still working on the outline for the book we discussed it the other day on the interview i had with her i hope you had a chance to check that out all right so Pause right now. If you haven't left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, please do that. It really does help. There's thousands of you listening, and we are at uh, something like 72 or 75 uh, five-star reviews. I know, as I've told you, Apple, every time we hit 70, they basically dial us back to 65, and we have to start over. But right now, we got over 70, so maybe they let us into a new tier now. A uh, new censorship harassment tier where maybe we're allowed to build the 75. Who knows, folks? Who knows? All right, I had another call with Jim today from the Hotwire. You know him from the Thomas Paine podcast. We were planning a three part series on the climate scam. 
CBDC and the Bank for International Settlements. Well, I talked to Jim today and the plans have changed, folks. Yes, it's probably going to be five parts instead of three parts. Uh, Jim is hard at work putting the outline together. I'm trying to catch up on the material that he sent me so I don't sound like an idiot when I'm talking to him. He has loads of charts, loads of information that he's going to share with us. I'm going to have that all on my end so I can pull that stuff up on screen during the conversation. So if you're listening on audio only and you want access to that, it'll be available at pain.tv slash gold for a few dollars a month. And you'll be able to watch that whole series there with all the documents. And what I will attempt to do is see if the young bucks over at Thomas Payne podcast at runpain.tv slash gold, if they'll put the links to all those resources into the show description. Now, some of you made me aware that the video podcast, the ad-free video version of this show on pain.tv slash gold was missing the titles and descriptions. And so it just said, for instance, episode 55, episode 56. So I talked to the Young Bucks the other day. I sent them over all the descriptions that we use for the the, uh, audio podcast side. And they said they were going to take care of that. So that should be easier for you guys to search the content at pain.tv slash gold now. And then also, some of you have asked me about an ad-free audio version of the show, like an RSS feed from within pain.tv slash gold, where you would be able to, I guess, load it into your own version of your podcast player, whatever you use. I, I don't generally listen to stuff that way so i'm not sure how it all works but uh, i'm gonna take care of that for you whether they can do it or not uh, i'm gonna figure out something on my end and if you're a member of pain.tv slash gold i will get you a link to an rss feed where the shows are not chopped up and they have no ads in them folks so just give me uh the baby's on the way so please just give me like a week or two and i'll figure that out for you all right now What I want to set up here, folks, uh, and there's so many shows where I have to go back. There's information I promised I was going to plug in, and I keep getting pulled in all these different directions in my own research. It's, It's my fault, folks. So as of right now, I owe you an episode on finishing up the Dr. James Giordano lecture to West Point Military Academy. And I'm going to um, combine that in with a podcast I found on Giordano talking about COVID and basically wargaming how the science community would have done a COVID, even though in this interview he says, no, COVID came from a bat. You know, the old Chinese bat story. And so this podcast is interesting, though, because it came out uh, in April of 2020. So really a month or two into COVID land, the high school theater production. And Giordano is saying it's a bat, but then he war games as a scientist how he would have pulled off a COVID. So I'm going to combine those into one episode. All right. I owe you an episode on a report I found by Professor David uh, Salinas Flores. All right, don't worry. I already started working on that a while ago, and I've got to go back and finish it, but it's important because he gets into DARPA, the United States government, the military, and all of the mind control stuff they've been doing around the world in various countries. 
I owe you a couple of episodes wrapping up a few documents we started on having to do with transhumanism and the ethics behind transhumanism. Those are going to be really interesting, folks. And then uh, I think that will wrap up the stuff uh, where I change directions. Uh, And as of right now, I just want to say I'm going to call it a quits on the Peter Theo Curtis Yarvin stuff for a while. I think we laid the foundation for that. You should have a very clear understanding of who Peter Thiel is by this point. We covered him in so many episodes over the last 78 episodes. Uh, And then spent the last few going through the new right movement that he is funding. The new right also could be called the old left. And so... Uh, with Peel, uh, Thiel and then Curtis Yarvin, who is basically the Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of this new right dark enlightenment movement, I think you know enough about him and you understand my feelings on what that movement is all about. Basically, getting the left and the right to be disenfranchised with government, but not just the corruption in government, the entire illusion of the constitutional republic opening us up to pushing us into a technocracy under a techno-fascist monarch right i think you have a solid understanding of that eventually i'm going to go in and analyze some of um some of curtis yarving's actual papers but right now i don't think we need to do that until i can get maria albanese co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays onto this show to fill in some of the gaps i have some questions for her on steve bannon and peter thiel and jeff gcia who worked under thiel and basically created the whole meme warfare uh, situation we found ourselves in he was instrumental in the maga 3x movement which is really connected into the new right movement and so i want to bring maria on to cover that stuff unfortunately this week she's been wrapped up with some family issues so she's not going to be able to come on probably until next week to do that so where i'm going to go with this folks this episode and this is very very important stuff we're going to cover here last night I was doing additional research on technocracy and the history of technocracy. I'm always researching the history of technocracy and the history of transhumanism. And so last night I fell into this treasure trove. We'll call this the gold mine, the Dustin gold mine of articles, documents. I mean, I'm talking 3,500 pages worth of documents. Uh, coming from the life's work of Howard Scott. And Howard Scott is really the grandfather of technocracy. He was the head of Technocracy Incorporated, which he founded in 1933. And so we're going to get into this stuff uh, over the next many, many, many episodes. And what I'm actually looking at possibly doing is I may... Even though I'm going to analyze this, so this package I got of 3,500 pages plus thousands of more pages, um, they are the writings, transcribed lectures, interviews, speeches, uh, articles, all about Howard Scott and the history of technocracy. And last night, I I couldn't stop myself, and I probably read 100 pages into the first 3,500-page packet. 
And it's really, really good because it is going to give us an understanding of what is going on today. Now, the experts like to tell you that technocracy, the movement, died in 1940. But that's like the experts telling you that MKUltra died in 1964. Technocracy did not die, folks. These guys used to have huge, huge rally speeches, uh, look like Trump rallies, with giant signs up that say technocracy with their yin-yang logo. Uh, I mean, huge, huge rallies, tens of thousands of people back in the uh, 30s. And we're going to get into this movement. Well, it's alive and well today. It's in practice as far as I'm concerned. They just don't hold rallies with the technocracy logo up above the stage anymore. It's in practice. So what I'm thinking I'm going to do, sort of a side project, is and I was studying Howard Scott last night, listening to some interviews that are floating around, some old radio interviews with him. And I may try to, over time, record this entire index, this entire library of speeches, papers, interviews, etc. Maybe in the voice, or a similar voice to Howard Scott. Uh, there's some other papers that exist, like Industrial Society and Its Future, that I started to review, I think, in episode 10, and I am going to get back to that as well. But I'm going to wait a few episodes because I think this other stuff will make that paper even more mind-blowing to you. But some of these things where there's no actual audio book, I may actually do recordings with no analysis of these speeches and stuff and basically build out a library, a big audio library of this and maybe make it available on pain.tv slash gold or, you know, for an extra few dollars a month or something, you'll be able to get access to this library because it's going to take me a lot of work. And this goes above and beyond, you know, the eight to nine dollars you're paying on pain.tv slash gold for the video version of this show you know i i might do it as a release for the hotwire subscribe folks or maybe there's uh gonna be a little bit of an add-on a few dollars a month or something that you can get access to this library and then throughout the next year i'm just gonna record this on the side as as if i'm recording an audio book and i'll start putting this stuff out in audio form without analysis and then on the show i will actually analyze these documents i mean this stuff goes deep folks deep 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 i mean you want to understand what technocracy is you go to the guy that created it folks so when we get back we're going to start by getting into the history of technocracy in a way that i have not done it before folks as i always told you we were only skimming the surface but now we're going to start digging in the trenches here i mean this is going to get deep by the time we're done you're going to be an expert on this who knows some of you may even want technocracy by the time we are finished with this stuff folks i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to Pain.tv slash gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, so last night while I was doing this research, I was digging up a bunch of uh, other stuff I've read and I've listened to over the last several years, and I totally forgot about all this stuff that was out there, all of the things that I had actually researched on my own. So I'm going to work through some of this material before I start getting into the full-blown Howard Scott archive and so the cbc news all right this stuff uh comes out of canada here i'm going to pull it up on the screen for the video audience we're over at newsinteractives.cbc.ca and they do some fascinating work there is an audio documentary they did on technocracy uh some of this stuff i'm going to see if we can upload to the premium side of the pain.tv slash gold platform. Uh, I'll talk to Mike about that and see if we can get that done for you. But they did a fascinating um, audio documentary on this. And I'm going to get into that sooner or later. But there is an article that I think is great. And so I'm going to work my way through this for you rather than just like if I, I have all these notes and if I go through and just read all my notes to you, I'd rather just uh, go through this article piece by piece with you. And this will give you a real clear foundation of what it is we're talking about. And as we start to break down the words of Howard Scott, going back to really the early 1930s all the way through 1970, you're going to have a solid, solid understanding of this. And this ties into what I'm going to be talking about with Jim from the Hotwire. Because as we work our way to CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, which is really this sort of carbon credit system, You're going to understand where this all came from, folks. This was not out of the Paris Accord. This was not out of just the United Nations. The idea of this energy-based monetary system, basically it's uh, energy-based politics, grows out of Technocracy Incorporated and Howard Scott. I mean, really fascinating. So when I get into this with Jim, and, and Jim is well aware of this as well, Uh, We're going to be able to talk about this and tie in the work that I've done on technocracy and transhumanism here at the Dust and Gold Standard with the work that he's doing that will now bring into, you know, our body of work here and be able to tie all of the pieces together for you. So this is over at CBC News, and the title of this article is In Science We Trust. And it says, back in the first half of the 20th century, a group called Technocracy Incorporated wanted to recognize, I'm sorry, wanted to reorganize society by putting scientists in charge. The movement flamed out, but its underlying message still appeals to many in Silicon Valley. Again, folks, there's actually uh, something important here. Uh, first off, as I've told you, tech. 
technocracy is basically a government in which the scientists and engineers and technologists control the means of production and the distribution of goods and services, okay? So we understand that, right? So it says, in the first half of the 20th century, a group called Technocracy Incorporated wanted to reorganize society by putting scientists in charge. And you will later see that it is an elite group of scientists. This is not a democracy. Uh, It is run by an elite class of scientists. And eventually we'll get into examples throughout the world of where this has been implemented, uh, places that are implementing it. We'll talk about this with Jim from the Hotwire because back in 1919 when these ideas first started to come about and then really in the 1930s when Howard Scott kind of organized this philosophy and put the ideology down on paper, they didn't have the technological systems to really do this. But as you'll see, the technocrats will argue that humankind really didn't start to progress or advance until the industrial era. They praised the industrial era. And so the population of the entire world started to explode after the industrial era. And then he says that now with this population boom, it can't be managed without more technology. So technology creates the overpopulation they complain about, and then technology will be what governs a planet that's overpopulated. You're going to see this as a running theme behind their ideology. And what they want to do is move from a price-based system, a capitalist system, into this uh, sort of socialist, communist system that is governed by these energy credits based on how much energy you make and how much energy you consume. And it says again here, the movement flamed out, but its underlying message still appeals to many in Silicon Valley. See, that's sort of the misdirection. We'll just call that out right there, a teaching moment for you. This uh, movement did not flame out. Maybe Howard Scott flamed out, Technocracy Inc. flamed out, but the ideology, the plan, the political plans behind technocracy did not flame out. Although it says it still appeals to many in Silicon Valley. And this is by Ira Basin, written in uh, June of 2021. And Ira Basin is actually the one, I believe, that produced the uh, audio podcast documentary. Uh, that I listen to. And I'll figure out how we can, again, get that up at pain.tv so you can listen to it. Uh, and you can join us anytime you want at pain.tv slash gold. All right, let's start with this article because there's a lot to cover. And I want to get this article fully reviewed and analyzed for you before Jim comes on. First show is supposed to be Friday. Um, you know, as long as the, the baby doesn't come because plans may change. But first show should be Friday. And it's going to tie in a lot of this. So I need to get this analyzed for you. It says, on October 13, 1940, a Regina chiropractor named Joshua Hadelman. And uh, that's, I've heard people pronounce it different ways. It's H-A-L-D-E-M-A-N. So I'll say Joshua Hadelman. Appeared in city court to face two charges under the Defense of Canada Act. 
And folks, I've read so much on this stuff. A lot of this stuff I've done research on over the years. Like, for instance, when it's talking about this, I have the newspaper article about this uh, Joshua Hadelman appearing in court. So this article is pretty much all vetted. This is all true. If I see any misdirection, I'll call it out and uh, explain that to you. But the facts in this are pretty much spot on, which is why I'm using it. All right. It says uh, his, speaking of Joshua's, alleged offense was belonging to Technocracy Incorporated, an organization that had been banned by the Canadian government several months earlier as part of a larger sweep of groups it considered subversive to the war effort. And again, folks, we're talking about 1940 here. All right. So just put this into uh, context. Hold on. Let me just pull up some notes I I took earlier for you guys. Uh, I'm in my notepad here. All right. So you have, uh, just to put this into context in a timeline, you have World War I, right, starting in July 1914 and ending in November 1918. And then you have the Great Depression starting in September 1929 and ending in October 1939, and you have World War II kicking off September 1939 and ending in September 1945. All right, so you have World War I ending in 1918, and then basically a 10-year gap before the Great Depression kicks off, bringing us all the way up to 1939, and that's when World War II kicks off and ending in 1945. So when you're talking about Hadelman going to court in 1940, you're talking about that first year of World War II. So Technocracy Inc. was outspoken on the war efforts, all right, just so you understand uh, the timeline that we're dealing with. It says, Technocracy Incorporated was not a political movement. In fact, politicians or members of political parties were not allowed to join. It was founded in New York City in 1933 as an educational and research organization promoting a radical restructuring of political, social, and economic life in Canada and the United States with science as its central operating principle. All right, so it started in 1933. That's Technocracy Incorporated. And so that is about four years in to the Great Depression. And this is important uh, because there's going to be a lot of parallels between Technocracy Inc. and the messaging they had, which uh, started four years into the Great Depression. And you'll see why they gained so much movement. And then you can compare that to what we're going through right now. And if they orchestrate, I say they, if the elites, if the social engineering class orchestrate a complete financial collapse, right, then this is what they're going to offer. It, it all ties into what we covered with Peter Thiel and Curtis Yarvin as well. The idea that you need to get the left and the right to turn away from the government, but really the illusion of a constitutional republic in order to accept the technocracy. And what we're going to talk about with Jim from the Hotwire is that 
when they orchestrate this financial collapse, then they're going to hand you the carrot, which is the universal basic income, which is going to open the door to drive you into CBDC, an international CBDC, central bank digital currency, which is the money system, the economic system within the technocracy. So you're going to see all this comes together. And the ideas of the technocracy grew out of the frustration of the folks during the Great Depression. All right, it goes on to say there would be no politicians, business people, money or income inequality. Those were all features of what technocracy called the, quote, price system, end quote, and it would have to go. Now, it says they're not a political movement, right? You're going to see that as a running theme in all the research we do. But in fact, it really is a political movement. It's a political movement built on this idea of uh, energy. All right, and so... It's uh, basically this idea of progress and progress equals energy. And the whole political theory, it's an energy theory of politics. So although they say they're not political, they are political. Uh, it's like Peter Thiel backing people like Blake Masters and J.D. Vance. This, is, this will all make sense to you over the next several episodes, folks. Um, like, again, we've skimmed the surface uh we've sort of touched the tip of the iceberg but i decided i wasn't going to go into depth for a while and now since we're lining up jim here for this uh, multiple part series it's important that we start to get into this now so it's going to seem complicated but it'll all make sense in the end folks it'll all come together for you so again technocracy inc is railing against what they call the price system all right that's very important to understand and so when they talk about no politicians uh, no business people no money no income equality as they explain those are all features of the price system which they are against it goes on to say there would be no countries called canada or the united states just one giant continental landmass called the technate a techno-utopia run by engineers and other experts in their fields. In the technate, everyone would be well-housed and fed. All material needs would be taken care of whether you had a job or not. Joshua Hadelman was a leader of technocracy incorporated in Canada from 1936 to 1941. He was basically the head of the Canadian Technocracy Inc. arm but eventually became disillusioned with both the organization and the country and packed up his young family to start life anew in South Africa. In 1971, Hadelman's daughter, Maeve, gave birth to his first grandson. Joshua's grandson's name was Elon Musk. All right, so for those of you who do not know this, Elon Musk's mother's father was the head of Technocracy Inc. in Canada. And so Elon Musk is the grandson of his paternal grandfather, Joshua Hadelman, who was a leader in the technocracy movement before fleeing to South Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dust to Gold with the Dust to Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dust and Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so I hope you got that stuff so far. I hope you're following along, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into the history of this, uh, and I'm going to go deeper than uh, most have gone before. So let's continue with this CBC News article. It says, Elon Musk's estimated net worth today is more than $150 billion U.S. Now, this article was written again in June 2021. You know, as of today, I have it up on the screen. They say Elon Musk is worth $223.2 billion. So uh, he added $80 billion. Oh, not, not a bad not a bad increase in wealth in about a, a year and a few months, right? From $150 billion to $223 billion. All right, it says, Musk clearly done very well inside the price system his grandfather would have railed against, but Musk has not completely abandoned his technocracy roots. And folks, I, I would argue that uh, Musk operates within a technocracy, not necessarily the price system. I mean, we'll get into this with Jim, right? But Elon Musk makes a lot of money for Tesla by selling the carbon credits, the carbon offset credits, and that's how he makes a lot of Tesla's money. So it's not really a price system. That's actually within the technocratic system, the original Technocracy Inc. system. All right, it goes on to say, Musk doesn't talk about a technate on Earth, but he has invested billions developing rockets to send people to Mars with the intent to colonize it. He wants to see a city of a million people there by 2050. In 2019, Musk tweeted, quote, accelerating starship development to build the Martian technocracy, end quote. Most of Technocracy Incorporated's ideas for the technate were neither practical nor achievable, but they raised at least two important questions that we're still grappling with today. One, how should governments respond when large numbers of people lose their jobs to automation? And two, how can representative democracy, with all its obvious imperfections, function effectively in a world where science and technology play an ever more dominant role? Okay, so here's the idea. The technocracy, uh, think of it as a collection of scientists, engineers, and uh, technologists, right? So the technocracy is responsible this association of these engineers are responsible for the industrial boom and they're responsible for all of the uh, equipment and technology that are replacing people from their jobs of yesteryear and of today and so the solution that they're offering whether back in 1933 or today is more technology so they've created a problem right they provoked a reaction, and now they offer a solution. And, and the problem-reaction-solution situation is just an endless feedback loop. I've told you, every solution has 500 new problems. And so they run this over and over. But this is a big one, because they create these problems 
through technology, they provoke a reaction and then they offer a solution, which is allowing us to have more technology. Let us create a prison planet. And we're going to get into this stuff real deep. I could sit here and comment on that one paragraph for 45 minutes. I'm not going to do it. I am uh, trying to uh, contain myself here because I want to get out as much of this as possible for you. It goes on to say, in a speech to an American audience in 1963, Howard Scott, the founder and leader of Technocracy Incorporated, declared that, quote, as far as technocracy's ideas are concerned, we are so far left that we make communism look bourgeois. You got that? You got that. So the leader of Technocracy Inc., Howard Scott, who was Elon Musk's grandfather's boss for a while when he was the head of the Canadian Technocracy Inc. chapter, said that as far as technocracy's ideas are concerned, we're so far left that we make communism look bourgeois. You got that? You got that. It says, that may not have been the most effective recruiting slogan at the height of the Cold War, but Scott wasn't entirely wrong. Technocracy was far from the only protest movement to emerge from the economic collapse of the 1930s. Social Credit in Alberta and the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation in Saskatchewan, the forerunner of the NDP, also attracted a lot of support. Some groups across the political spectrum had ties to European political movements. Some had charismatic leaders like Huey Long and Father Charles Coughlin in the United States. All right, so we're getting into this history here. All right, so the social credit in Alberta and the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation in Saskatchewan, the forerunner of the NDP, also attracted a lot of support. Okay, so this was what was happening uh, after um, the collapse of the uh, 1930s. So all of a sudden, all these protest movements started to emerge. So technocracy was one of them. Social credit was one of them. I believe that uh, Joshua Hadelman actually uh, was also involved in the social credit system as well. It goes on to say, but technocracy was a uniquely North American movement that may have been the most radical of them all. And in the depths of the Great Depression, hundreds of thousands of Canadians and Americans were prepared to embrace it. All right. No, this was very popular, folks. If you go back and you find old clips of this and we'll work them into uh, the next show. I mean, some of this stuff looked as big as Trump rallies. So up on the screen now, you're going to see this picture of Howard Scott. And this guy, uh, he's got a, basically a gangster suit with one of those uh, overcoats with his arms inside the overcoat. You know, so it's just draped over his shoulders. He's carrying a black fedora. It's got a double-breasted jacket. Looks like a gangster. Got a haircut like me, <laughs> greased back, smoking a cigarette. And this guy was imposing, folks. He was six foot five. 
he was a chain smoker so he had a very deep voice very good for radio very intelligent guy he's actually known to have made up a lot of stories about himself very intelligent and they would say not as smart as he wanted to believe he was but he was also very intelligent he kind of looks like a like a nazi uh general in this photo the article goes on to say technocracy's ideology defies every uh, defies easy characterization it was anti-capitalist and anti-democratic but not fascist it was anti-government but not libertarian it believed in a radical form of social and economic equality but it was not marxist right so it's it's its own thing and and the more you read what comes from howard scott himself the leader of this it is very complicated essentially what they were doing is offering an alternative to capitalism and we're going to get into hopefully this article does but we're going to get into the theories behind it the theory of uh, abundance and scarcity and how howard scott believed that the system following you know world war one was still operating under uh, scarcity instead of moving to an abundance model and so we were still under this price system which was then causing the great depression to happen and so what they were advocating for which was overthrowing this price system and capitalism and installing this idea this abundance system which i've explained to you where they control the technocrats control the means of production the work schedules they basically manage it all from the top down just giant giant bureaucratic um administration but run by these techno elites essentially is what it is now you see curtis yarvin and peter thiel uh, advocating for this techno-fascist king who would oversee the technocracy but folks it, it, it all is the same thing it's management of the system by a select group of people and so what they essentially wanted to do was remove this power or illusion of power by these representatives by elected officials and just concentrate that into the hands of unelected scientists and engineers so they would be the new politicians basically it goes on to say it rejected all those ideologies because none of them accepted the idea that science and technology were transforming north american life and that only highly trained engineers and experts were capable of building a quote new end quote north america while other political parties and protest groups were touting plans for putting people back to work, technocracy response was, don't even bother. The world had changed, and the jobs destroyed by machines were not coming back. Before the Industrial Revolution, most manufacturing was done by hand, and there were never enough goods to go around. It was an economy based on scarcity. Now, machines could produce more than enough of everything for everybody with significantly less human labor. But this industrial system capable of producing abundance was being stymied by the price system, a pre-industrial scarcity-based construct ill-suited to a world where machines were replacing humans in the workplace. All right. Do you understand that? That's kind of what I was explaining before. So the whole idea behind their philosophy was that this industrial system, this uh, manufacturing and this production of goods was 
going to outpace humans. And so they wanted to create this new system in which they create a mass abundance of goods and then they would distribute the goods to all the humans. I mean, if you don't see the parallels between what happened here in 1930s to what is happening today, you're just not looking. This is the same thing that Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and the rest of these guys echo today, except it has to do with artificial intelligence replacing humans in the workforce, humans, uh, you know, just as far as intelligence goes. And so their solution is they are going to allow you to merge with the machine, with artificial intelligence, so that you can have have access to superhuman power and thought superhuman brain power so instead of promising you that they're going to have amazon deliver all these free goods to your front door elon musk has actually promised that he's going to give you superhuman brain power that allows you to compete in this new technocratic transhumanist state and eventually will go further into the merger of technocracy and transhumanism because it actually all has to do with the same ideology of progressivism folks i'm going to progress to a short break my name is dustin gold with the dust the gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, and this is pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so I think you understand where this is going, right? So this idea that the machines were replacing the humans uh, in the workforce was going to lead to them having to rework how the current system, the price-based system they talk about, worked. All right, and again, it's the same thing we're looking at today, the same arguments we're hearing from Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. Now, what happened over the last 20 years? There was a rise in all of these STEM college students, the scientists, technologists, engineers, and mathematicians, right? And why do they need more STEM people? Because they need more scientists and engineers to run this system. This is why I say we are in a technocracy. It's in a state of a quasi-technocracy. There's still an illusion of representative government in this country. Other countries are going through this, right? So you take China. Uh, There was a point in China a few years back when 80% of the politicians were trained in engineering. Uh, Many argue that technocracy was under the uh, Soviet Union. We'll get into that eventually. So here in this country, you still have this illusion of representative government. I would argue this. Uh, But you actually have a technocracy because the systems within the government itself are run by uh, bureaucrats, unelected officials, say like Dr. Anthony Fauci. And then on the outside, the government has outsourced 
uh, many of the projects to the technologists and the scientists and engineers like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and others. And then those guys actually sell software and services and technology back into the government. So right now, you have the illusion of the public-private partnership, when in reality, it's actually one big technocracy. They're working together. We are being managed by the scientists and engineers as we speak. I mean, how much money flows how much creativity flows, how much work flows through the internet. Well, the internet is technology, right? That was created under ARPA, the precursor to DARPA. That's the government right there, the state providing the foundation for technocracy. All right, let's take a look. It says, um, at the heart of the price system was money. It was what forced people to go into debt, break the law, become greedy, and engage in all kinds of other bad behaviors. But help was on the way. Now, don't ever forget that. That is so important. That is going to be the crux of the conversation with Jim from the Hotwire. I will read that again. It says, at the heart of the price system was money. It was what forced people to go into debt, break the law, become greedy, and engage in all kinds of other bad behaviors. But help was on the way. What are we going through right now? What is being amplified right now? What is being orchestrated right now? People going into debt, right, under inflation. Coming out of COVID land, the high school theater production. People are breaking the law. All the crime is being amplified. It's been orchestrated. Cops are standing down uh, in certain cities. They're raising the amount, uh, total amount of money. You know, you could steal from a store, so you can steal $1,000 worth of goods and basically just get a traffic ticket, so that encourages more crime. Greed, right? What is it with politicians? We always talk about them being greedy, CEOs being greedy. Right, And then all these other bad behaviors, but help was on the way. And again, as we lift the veil on technocracy, which I actually think is the goal, part of the goal of the system is they're going to slow walk you into it. We're already doing this now, and this is all part of the fourth industrial revolution too. They're slow walking you into technocracy, but the goal is going to eventually be to tell you you're in a technocracy. Now, Howard Scott talked about in an interview, I think back in the early 1930s, this is something I'm going to review on this show, the interviewer actually asked him, you know, but what about the people? He said, who cares what the people think? We don't have to explain anything to the people. If the people get access to the abundance of goods, what will they care anyway? Isn't that what you wake up for? And he said in uh, America's system, We all fall to this idea of individuality and freedom and liberty, but people are just going to have to give that up. That's not going to be part of this system. All right, it goes on to say, quote, the march of technology with its increasing abundance will destroy every value of the price system, end quote. Scott declared in a speech in Sylvan Lake, Atlanta, um, of Sylvan Lake, Alta, during a Western Canadian, I'm sorry, this was in Canada, during a Western Canadian speaking tour in September 1939, quote, it is a clash between obsolescence and modernity, between technology and value, between science and chaos, end quote. All right, between science and chaos. Well, 
What did a large number of people run to in the last two and a half years under COVID land, the high school theater production, otherwise known as the Great Reset? They ran to the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. Right? Because they didn't want the chaos of people dropping dead everywhere. So they ran to the so-called science. The science that was actually creating the chaos. All right, it goes on to say, if this all sounds familiar, it's because doomsday scenarios about massive unemployment and social unrest caused by technological change have been around since at least the Industrial Revolution. So again, it's the technologists creating the problems and then offering the solution, which is more technology goes on to say in the 1770s when the use of the spinning jenny became widespread many weavers who had been spinning cloth by hand from their homes lost their jobs but the spinning jenny made it cheaper to produce cloth which meant more people could afford to buy cloths which meant many more of them were needed to work in the factories where the cloth cloth was now being produced This has been the story of technological change up to now. The jobs that machines have taken, they have invariably given back in even greater numbers. The price system has proven to be much more resilient and adaptable than doomsdayers like Howard Scott had imagined. But today, as robots and artificial intelligence make ever deeper inroads into our offices and factories, the doomsdayers are back, predicting a tsunami of unemployment that will crash into workplaces like banks and law firms, which now have largely resisted automation. They fear this time the story will, in fact, be different right so that's what i just got done explaining to you so the technocrats are back now saying that ai and robots are going to take over all the jobs they're going to push people out of their jobs and so now they're back offering new solutions on the one hand you have musk and the others like ray kurzweil chief engineer at google talking about merging man with machine a concept called singularity that peter thiel backed we went over that on this show And that's how they're saying they're going to help you overcome the artificial intelligence. See, that's the transhumanist aspect of this. But on the other side, you don't see them necessarily offering technocracy as a solution. But that's because they've already done it. I've explained on this show, gig work uh, for the service industry, uh, creatives going to companies like Fiverr.com. Uh, taxi drivers, you know, all that stuff is concentrated under the gig industry. That's all service work. Uh, renting your home on Airbnb. Doing podcasts. You have to go to one of the technocratic platforms. Uh, putting out content on YouTube and such. TikTok, those are all controlled by the technocrats. So all of the production, all of the service you provide or the goods you provide, people are selling it through the technocratic platforms like Etsy, like eBay, like Amazon. It's all been concentrated under technology, and then they have the ability to punish you or penalize you by throwing you off the platforms, banning you from the platforms. Uh, They can take away your ability to actually sell in the marketplace. It goes on to say, according to a 2019 report by the UK research group Oxford Economics, around 1.7 million jobs have already been lost to robots globally since 2000 even the people who have helped engineer the tsunami are worried exactly i i've said that on this show 
a message to the uh, STEM grads. You guys are going to engineer yourselves out of existence. That is the plan. Quote, we are experiencing the greatest economic and technological shift in human history, end quote, declared Silicon Valley entrepreneur Andrew Yang during his unlikely run for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2020. Quote, we need a way to help millions of Americans transition through this period, end quote. And for those of you that don't know, Andrew Yang was endorsed by Elon Musk. So Andrew Yang's job was to introduce universal basic income, a tenant of technocracy, into the American lexicon and to normalize the idea amongst our youth, who were the big supporters of the so-called Yang Gang, that they were going to be replaced by robots and artificial intelligence. So he made that widely accepted. All right. It goes on to say Yang's solution was a $1,000 U.S. a month universal basic income. It's an idea that has gained considerable traction among Silicon Valley engineers and entrepreneurs in recent years, even among those who are usually opposed to any kind of expansion of government. At the World Government Summit in Dubai in 2017, Elon Musk, who constantly wages war with agencies trying to regulate his cars and rockets and whose plan for fully autonomous vehicles could cost millions of jobs, expressed his support for a guaranteed basic income. I won't get into that now. He rails against them. Yeah, right. He has partnered with them, folks. Elon Musk makes his money on Tesla off of trading and selling his carbon credits to other companies and then he gets tax subsidies for every car that he sells as far as regulating his rockets go he has more contracts for the government than anything else that actually fund his rocket companies all right this guy was backing andrew yang to tell you that you're going to lose your job to his robots and ai but don't worry they're going to give you a thousand dollars a month that's who elon musk is that's the truth about Elon Musk. It goes on to say, quote, mass unemployment, end quote, will be a, quote, massive social change, end quote, Musk warned. He didn't warn anything. He was just telling you what's going on, echoing words that his grandfather likely uttered many times. Musk concluded, quote, there will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. With automation will come abundance, end quote. So there's Musk echoing the words of a Howard Scott and his grandfather, Joshua Hadelman, who was the head of the Canadian arm of technocracy Inc. And I'm pointing this out to you folks because now you will know the truth of Elon Musk. I, I get people all the time that are writing me, but do you really think he's bad? I mean, it all depends. Bad is in the eye of the beholder, folks. That's up to you to decide. I'm just telling you what he is. Now, if someone says to me, is someone bad? I mean, what does that mean? Does he not like me? Does he not love me? Of course he doesn't love you. Elon Musk does not care about you. So in that sense, then he is bad. What he is proposing, merging you with machine, is not about loving you or humanity in general. 
he does not love humanity or he would not be working to engineer humanity out of existence and put the ones who do live under a prison planet technocracy where you work for the system and they supply you with goods based on an energy credit system folks i'll be right back my name is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold, and I am Dustin Gold. That's a fascinating article, folks. Really. This is a brilliant piece here at CBC News. Brilliant piece. I couldn't have done a better job myself. It goes on to say, for technocracy, schemes like a universal basic income simply postpone the inevitable day of reckoning for the price system. Quote, you can't fumble along with the system and just patch up the symptoms. End quote, explained Tom Mason in a recent phone interview from his home in Tampa Bay, Florida. Mason is 99 years old and has been involved with technocracy since the 1940s. Quote, politicians today don't want to address the disease. They just want to treat the symptoms. And you can only patch up the symptoms so far. End quote. And so there's a wonderful picture here of Tom Mason. He looks like the Wizard of Oz. He actually does look like the Wizard of Oz. That full head of white hair with the quaff and everything. That is, I think. It goes on to say, for technocracy, addressing the, quote, disease, end quote, meant doing away with the price system and the political infrastructure that supported it. They could provide citizens with far more security than any kind of guaranteed basic income. Quote, under the technate, We will be responsible for the health and well-being of every human being, end quote, Howard Scott declared, quote, that is more than any political government ever did, end quote. So as you see what Howard Scott, the founder of this Technocracy Incorporated, who advocated for the technate, which would basically be the territory of multiple countries formed under this one government called the technate. Um, was that the technate would be responsible for the health and well-being of every human being, right? So the scientists and engineers are going to make sure you're okay, right? Because if we can't trust supposed elected representatives, we can definitely trust the scientists and engineers. Go have a conversation with with one, folks. (laughs) If you're out there, you know what I'm talking about. You guys are weird. You guys are weird. (laughs) i'm serious there's an engineer in my family there's an engineer in our uh, aqua class that my wife and i take you guys are strange individuals and so as i said if you concentrate the power under the engineers they will eventually engineer humanity out of existence because they are looking for perfection and there is no perfection and they're always looking for problems to solve so they will constantly find 
problems. And as you move towards trying to engineer everything into uh, perfect, streamlined, you know, perfection, you will end up engineering everything out of existence. I just said to somebody on Twitter today, this idea of progress and progressivism and technocracy fall under this concept of progress lead to one lead to one logical conclusion that is engineering humanity out of existence i'm telling you that's just what it is i we should make an equation like yuval noah harari we could stand there at the board and go progress equals engineering humanity out of existence because that's what's going to happen folks and, and and many of them are already talking about it these guys that are transhumanist transitional humans working towards a post-human world post-human is anti-human it is no human goes on to say technocracy's plan was to replace the price system with a system based on energy okay this is very important because this is going to lead into all of your questions on cbdc that we're going to talk to jim for the hot wire about folks technology's plan was to replace the price system with a system based on energy in the 1920s, Scott and his colleagues began a hugely ambitious program called the Energy Survey of North America. So this is pre-1933, pre-when he founded Technocracy, Inc. He's doing this in the 1920s. He calls it the Energy Survey of North America. The idea was to establish a value for all the goods and services produced on the continent, not by measuring how much labor was expended or how much money was spent but on the amount of energy used to produce them all right so everything is now tracked by energy right they would then divide the total amount of energy used by the number of citizens in the technate over the age of 25 and issue each of those citizens an equal number of energy certificates whether they were employed or not these certificates would be the technate's currency, right? So you get rid of the, whether it was a gold-backed monetary system or now a, a debt-based system, all right? So you're going to replace this now with energy certificates. So they measure everything in North America to figure out how much energy is expended, how much energy is used to produce everything. And then you're going to divide all that up, the total amount of energy used by the number of citizens that live in the technate over the age 25. And then you're going to issue each of those citizens an equal number of energy certificates. All right. You understand how this works? All right. That's how the money system works. Every time you bought something, some of your energy credits would be deducted. And because the certificates would be issued directly to the owner, they couldn't be bought, sold, traded, or stolen. No one would be able to accumulate more than anyone else. It was a prescription for a radically egalitarian state that might have made a Bolshevik blush. All right, so now everyone monetarily is equal right it's equal because let, let's just look at the energy certificates as if they were something you're familiar with dollar bills 
Okay, so let's say at the beginning of every year, look at it like the Monopoly board game. I forgot the total amount. I haven't played in a while. Is it $1,500? So let's say at the beginning of every year, you're issued $1,500. And everyone in the entire country, we'll say the United States in this case is the technate, will be issued $1,500. But that money has your name printed on it, right? So you can't sell it to anyone else, trade it to anyone else, uh, steal it from someone else because only you can use it and you're going to have to have an ID that matches that money, right? And that's it. Now, everyone is equal and they're distributed this money, let's say in this case, uh, instead of energy credits, let's say everyone makes an equivalent of $1 an hour. So they figure out how many hours, uh, 40 hours, and then they distribute the money. Same thing here. They're adding up the total energy that goes into creating all the goods, and then you're going to be distributed an equal share of those energy credits. Now, you'd say to yourself, well, how the hell could you do that? Because it says right here that they can't be bought, sold, traded, or stolen. So it keeps everyone on an equal footing. Well, how could they have done this back then? They really couldn't. But now, oh, now with CBDC, they can do it. They could do it because whether you are accessing your government uh, wallet, your technate wallet, your crypto wallet uh, by your smartphone or by your brain chip in your head or by the rice size microchip in your hand, um, you can't buy, sell, or trade that stuff. It's just assigned to you. So this idea of energy credits is something that came about all the way back in the 1920s. And this is the system we see coming into play today. And Jim from the Hotwire will get into the timeline in which he sees CBDC rolling out. And the way that it's working, they're now creating the architecture and the infrastructure for it. But this is going to be worldwide. It will not be nation-state to nation-state CBDC. It's all going to be on an international system. It has to be for it to work. It goes on to say, in the technate, your work life wouldn't begin until age 25. Once you join the labor force, you'd work 16 hours a week. You'd get about 78 days of vacation a year. And you'd retire when you're 45. Sounds wonderful, folks. But then again, they're going to give you a certain amount of energy certificates that's the same as everyone else. So no one is above anyone else in this system. You can't work hard and accelerate. Everyone is going to live in a 400-square-foot pod prison cell. Does it sound familiar? I mean, this is where we're going, folks. This is what they're selling now. The difference is they don't really get up on the stage and talk about it like a politician selling you a message. They're just actually building it and then propagandizing and brainwashing and mind-controlling people into it through however they're reaching our children and grandchildren because even for someone like me, they know that we'll probably resist. So this is something that's going to be rolled out over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. It goes on to say, only a small percentage of adults in the technate would have jobs. And Scott thought that should be a cause for celebration. Many of those, quote, hand tool, end quote, jobs were not very good to begin with. So why weep if they could now be done by a machine? People who clung to old-fashioned ideas about the value of work were, quote, suckers, end quote. 
Quote, one of the lowest social diseases is the belief in the morality of work, end quote. He told an audience in Calgary, quote, if you want to know what work has done for you, go home and look in the mirror and see what a mess you are, end quote. Scott believed that people freed from having to work for a living and secure in the knowledge that all their material needs would be taken care of would be able to fulfill themselves through the arts, recreation, religion, or education, all of which would thrive in the technique. Now, ask yourself this, folks. If education were allowed to thrive within the technique, then would the people not be revolting against the system because they would be educated on the fact that the system was really a giant slave plantation right where are you going to practice this art or be able to do recreation uh, or get involved in uh, religious causes uh, if you're limited to the food bucks they give you your energy coupons right so you're going to use those energy coupons to get involved in these things and buy art supplies and everything they're not even going to create art, art supplies in a technate, folks. This is a communist-run, top-down system in which you work for the state. It's, it's a prison where you are going to work to print license plates for these people. It goes on to say this idea that people long to be uh, relieved of the burden of their labor has been a staple of utopian literature since the 19th century, but it ignores some deeper realities. Oh, yes, it does ignore some deeper realities, folks. And ask yourself, if you're sitting around all day and supposedly you don't have to worry about money, how many kids are you popping out? And one of their initial arguments was that we were creating overpopulation. Again, this is the craziness of the solutions these people offer. So technology led to overpopulation. And now the solution to overpopulation is to allow the scientists and engineers to run the prison planet system under technology which then will lead to while people are sitting home and not working because they're only working 16 hours a week will lead to more people which will lead to more overpopulation which then will lead to their solution which is genocide which is eugenics and trust me folks eventually we'll get into this many of the people in this movement were also open eugenicists you see how it works i told you You let the scientists and engineers engineer and engineer and engineer, and before you know it, the solution is engineering humanity out of existence. Why? Because these people are crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, so you understand this? These guys just create problems. That's what they do. They create problems for them them to solve. You know, once they 
fix a number of problems and they have to create more problems. I'm going to get into this in depth. I mentioned it to you several times. Uh, and we're going to eventually work this in. But I have an old documentary, a community organizer, Saul Alinsky, working his evil mag- magic. And one of the things Saul Alinsky talked about was basically taking, let, let's just say, a group of people in an inner city neighborhood and organizing them around the idea that they need new sidewalks. And so they fight and they fight and they fight until they get the new sidewalks. But then as he explains it, there's a plateau. And once you reach that plateau, the fog clears and there's another plateau. And that happens again and again and again. So he sends you, once he indoctrinates you into the idea of being a community organizer, into this endless march for progress with no actual end goal. And the idea was that eventually society would eat itself apart. And it would collapse. And that is exactly what is happening here. Technocracy is based on progressivism. It never ends. There's no end goal in sight. You just keep progressing until the point that you actually engineer yourself out of existence. I'm telling you, this is... This is what this leads to. There is no way around it. It is the only logical conclusion because these people will never be happy. So instead of looking backwards, as they would call regress, right? But instead of looking backwards and saying, listen, what if we shrunk government or had no government whatsoever? I'll take my chances with the bad guys because the government is the bad guys anyway. But if we had no government and it was strictly just freedom and liberty, and people did what they wanted, which would be the far extreme to this technocratic prison planet, let's just say it was nothing. It was anarchy. There's nothing. And so you have true freedom and liberty. Then people do what they want. They barter. They trade. There's no government interference. No, this is a completely 180 degrees from that because this is 100% managed from the top down. And that's what they're doing. But they are so far away from the idea of freedom and liberty. Theirs is about total control. Let's continue with this article. It says, speaking to the World Government Summit in 2017, Elon Musk acknowledged that a guaranteed basic income would address only one part of the problem caused by technological unemployment. Quote, the much harder challenge is how are people going to have meaning? A lot of people derive their meaning from their employment. So if there's no need for your labor, what's your meaning? Do you feel useless? That's a much harder problem to deal with, end quote. So I would say the solution to this is what Yuval Noah Harari has said. Give the useless humans video games and drugs. And so let's look at what I talked about over several episodes, the rise of these Peter Thiel government-grown psychedelics, these Peter Thiel-backed government lab-grown psychedelics that they're rolling out, coupled with the VR and AR and entering the metaverse. That is video games and drugs, uh, or putting a chip in your head, Uh, not just monitoring your motions, but let's say tweaking you to make you always feel happy. There's a great movie with Christian Bale called Equilibrium. I suggest you check that out. Basically, every morning you get up and you put a shot in your neck to make you basically docile and conform to the dystopian state. And they go around with the government enforcers and they take away all the art, all the history, all the music. You basically get put to death if you get caught with any of this stuff from the old world. 
That's what they're advocating for. So whether it was in 1933 or it's now, this is what the technocrats want. Now, Elon Musk is smart enough to recognize the problem, the flawed thinking of someone uh, like Howard Scott, maybe the naivete of him. We'll get into him more in the future and we'll figure out what actually drove him, what he actually believed. But when Elon Musk is talking about this, Think of it this way. He says a lot of people derive their meaning from their employment. So if there's no need for labor, what's your meaning? Do you feel useless? Right? Well, let's say Elon Musk. Let's pretend that we start a system and we don't need him in the technocracy leadership and we strip him of everything and then we tell him, here's your energy tokens, pal. You get the same one as the lady that was a housekeeper at the Red Roof Inn. You get the same amount of energy tokens. You don't get to launch your rockets. You don't get to start your company. How do you think he'd feel about that, folks? We're going to strip you of your dignity, of your purpose, of your work, of your business. You just get to work 16 hours a week, Elon. And don't worry, because the rest of the time, you can lay around and knit if you can afford to buy yarn with your energy coupons. Well, that's if we decide to make yarn, because yarn might not be necessary inside of the technate under the scientists and engineers, because yeah, folks, as they manage the system and the production of the goods, they also get to choose what gets produced. So if they say, wait a second, basketball doesn't serve the system, then guess what? Basketballs don't get made anymore, because each one takes x amount of energy to produce and we really don't need those or if they say well we don't need scuba equipment anymore because people shouldn't be out there scuba diving so we're not going to create that anymore you see how this system works this is what we're moving into these guys get to pick and choose and decide because if there only becomes one giant factory that produces everything like santa's workshop that produces all the goods for the people living under the technate then that system, the guy in charge, Santa Claus, gets to decide what's made. So if all of a sudden all the mom-and-pop-type factories are gone, the mom-and-pop-type uh, stores are gone, let's say there's something you really like, and other people do too. Well, if it's not being made by the technate, you can't buy that. It's gone. If everything that you get to pick comes through Amazon, you can only buy what comes through Amazon. See, this is the system where they are in charge. Total, complete, 100% top-down social engineering in control by the scientists and engineers. It goes on to say, Howard Scott was a tireless worker on behalf of Technocracy Incorporated, an organization he founded and led until his death in 1970. He spent most of those years traveling across North America, preaching his path to a better world. A book called Words and Wisdom of Howard Scott, prepared by a technocracy chapter after his death, runs to more than 2,000 pages. Scott was a polarizing figure, for better or for worse. He was always the public face of technocracy. At six foot five, Scott was an imposing figure with a deep, resonant voice aided by a lifetime of chain smoking cigarettes. Well, he was taller than me, folks. That's not fair. We need to give him energy coupons. He should get less than me because he obviously uses more energy when he walks around. I'm only six three. He was six five. That's not fair. 
See, this is the problem with a system like that. It goes on to say, in his public interactions, he often came across as arrogant and condescending, but most technocracy members were captured by his intelligence, charisma, and ability to reel off facts and figures about global industrial production. Right. And so I read some of his speeches last night, some of the interviews he gave last night. He does. He has the ability to rattle off all these numbers, very similar fashion to Yuval Noah Harari. But Yuval Noah Harari, is he's more like a little, um, like you'd picture him in a little Nazi costume running alongside Hitler. Sir, sir, we have to tell you something. But uh, this guy is more like, oh, but I, uh, it's Howard Scott. He talks like this. You know, so he's got this really, really deep voice, but um, and he talks really slow. But this was back in the day when you do radio broadcasts and people were calm and they would talk about three, three words per minute. Um, it goes on to say, quote, he was on a different plane than regular people, end quote, recalls longtime technocracy member Ed Bleschmidt in a recent interview from his home in Pennsylvania. Bleschmidt said Scott, who he first met in the 60s, quote, would talk and explain things and smile and be friendly. But if you asked him a question, he immediately would spout off 20 minutes of something you couldn't even understand, end quote. Scott was also a savvy marketer with a flair for the dramatic. He liked to stage what he called, quote, symbolizations, end quote. These were spectacles designed to show the wider world that technocracy was a force to be reckoned with. The largest symbolization took place in June 1947. It was called Operation Columbia and involved a motorcade of hundreds of cars that proceeded up the west coast of the United States into British Columbia, where Scott delivered a speech to a capacity crowd of 5,000 people at the Vancouver Forum. I've seen pictures and some video clips uh, as I've been doing more research on this, and some of these events, folks, they look like Trump rallies. And then they had technocracy in this big, bold font, and their logo is like a, a yin-yang without the two dots uh, in red. It, it looked just like a kind of a Nazi-style thing. It says, in its public outings, Technocracy Incorporated had an oddly militaristic look. Oh, there we go. Its members, both men and women, wore tailored gray suits and drove cars that they also painted gray. They greeted each other with salutes. To Scott's critics, which included many of his former allies, the uniforms and salutes were evidence of a penchant towards authoritarianism. They considered him to be an egotistical blowhard. In fact, he appears to have seriously inflated his resume, falsely claiming to have an academic degree and work experience as an engineer. That last point mattered because in the technate, engineers and other experts would be in charge. And so up on the screen now, we're looking at a couple pictures. So they have the old, uh, I forgot what kind of cars they are, but basically the PT Cruisers that came out about 10 years ago. The one that uh, Skylar White and Breaking Bad bought for her son. Uh, they, they were modeled off these. So those gray kind of gangster cars. And then, uh, there, there's basically a sign up here. It says, yes, science can distribute our abundance, investigate technocracy now, technocracy Inc. And it's in that Nazi style propaganda font that they had back then in the forties. 
Uh, it actually says, Images Above are stills from a documentary film produced by Technocracy Inc. of the 1940s. In the top photo, a Technocracy Inc. motorcade prepares to cross the border in British Columbia during Operation Columbia on July 1st, 1947. The second photo is a sign promoting Technocracy outside Victoria, British Columbia headquarters in 1942. So, I... Actually, have a copy, excuse me, folks. I have a copy of that documentary. So what we will do eventually, I'll play that over at pain.tv slash go. Folks, when I get back, so much more. But I find this stuff to be fascinating. We're really understanding where this movement by Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, Ray Kurzweil, and the rest of these guys came from, folks. You have to understand the history. Not so that we don't repeat it, because we are going to repeat it. We are in it. But you have to understand the history so you can understand what is happening now, and then we can predict where these guys are going in the future. In my future, I'm going to a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. And this is pain.tv slash gold. All right, let's delve back into this, folks. This wonderful CBC News piece. Really good stuff. And we're about to get into something very interesting here, something that is very important. A little look into the mind of Howard Scott. It says, Technocracy believed that in a world that revolved around science and technology... Only people with proven expertise in those areas should be responsible for its governance, meaning only the scientists and engineers should have power. It says that excluded all the usual suspects, business people, lawyers, bankers, academics, none of whom had the practical skills the modern age demanded. Now, here is a little look into the thought process, the worldview of Howard Scott. And this is very, very important because this is the mentality that drives people like Peter Thiel and Elon Musk. It says, quote, those who create a civilization will eventually dominate it, Scott proclaimed in a speech in Winnipeg. Now, let me just go back and I'm going to read this in full. Those who create a civilization will eventually dominate it. The engineers and mechanics created this civilization and will eventually dominate it. Technocracy was building a technological army of the functionally competent. And that's really, really important because he admits to what I talk about. That they engineered this problem, and now they will offer the solution, which is more of the problem. So the technology, the machinery, the robotics, the artificial intelligence creates the problem 
of the replacement of humanity. And the solution is more technology, robotics, artificial intelligence, and machinery to manage the humans themselves. Right? So they create the problem, and then they offer the solution. It is very authoritarian, folks. They want to run the entire system. And I, and I just keep telling you, the scientists and the engineers are definitely not. Now, look, we talk about the business people, the lawyers, the bankers, and the academics. You don't really want them running society either. But you don't want the scientists and the engineers to do this because everything will be looked at as a problem. And you, you human, are inefficient. And so you will be weeded out of the equation, folks. I'm telling you. I am telling you, you see it, you see it. Everything that Elon Musk and these guys talk about is engineering humanity to make them more productive, more efficient. That's why they're messing around with the DNA splicing, why they want to grow the babies in the synthetic wombs. Remember all the shows we did, the real war on women, telling women that their womb is inefficient and so they need to grow the babies inside the synthetic wombs? This is a world run by scientists and engineers. It goes on to say, this meant there would be no room and no need for democracy. All the normal functions of government, education, health, sanitation, public safety, would be run by experts chosen by their peers. Doctors would vote for the person in charge of the healthcare system. Teachers for the person who'd run the schools and so on. There would be a cabinet made up of about a hundred of these experts, and they would select a continental director to oversee the whole thing. This was how technocracy planned to overcome its core complaint with democracy, that it led to too many incompetent people being in charge, or that too many people made bad decisions because they lacked the necessary expertise or were motivated by profit, ambition, or something else that would lead them astray. Right? But that is what humanity is, and that is why I'm telling you. Think of it this way. Once they take uh, and create this panel of these directors that would then hire the experts in these areas, right? That's basically what committees and stuff that Congress puts together anyway. Well, within the scientists and engineers, and this is the problem with any utopia, you would then have to believe that the scientists, engineers, and technologists are operating on goodwill and that they are actually good people and that they are not motivated by profit, ambition, or something else. So you'd have to believe that Elon Musk and Peter Thiel are operating completely out of goodwill, and as these benevolent dictators, these benevolent oligarchs that get put in charge of these various sectors of government. You'd have to believe that. This is why the answer to it is freedom and liberty, uh, basically anarchy, leave me the hell alone, or uh, bring all government back down to the local level. But that's not what this is about. This is concentrating power under the technate. And so the scientists and engineers will run everything. And I'm telling you, this is about what will happen is because they believe, uh, and I think you saw a little of this with Jeffrey Epstein, you're starting to see some of this come out with Elon Musk, 
because they believe that the scientists, the engineers, and the technologists are the smartest people out there, the ones who are trained, designed, or have the DNA to understand engineering and be able to run this system, that that's where the idea of eugenics eventually comes in. That's where the idea of the DNA splicing, the growing of the kids in the synthetic wombs, merging with AI, uploading your consciousness, having an AI hive mind. It's because they want to create the perfect human. This is like the the Nazi supreme race stuff that everyone will be programmed and DNA spliced and created inside a synthetic womb. So it will end up being an entire population of scientists and engineers because you're going to continue to need them to run this giant system, as they would call it, a big system. We call it the state, but they call it the system. All right, this is a graph up here, a chart. It says administration chart of the North American technate. It says in the technate, all the normal functions of government would be run by experts chosen by their peers. They would select a cabinet called the Continental Board, which would then choose a Continental Director. And so in this chart at the top, you have the Continental Director. Beneath it, you have the Continental Board. All right, then under the Continental Board, you have the special sequences. So you have armed forces, continental research, social relations, foreign relations. And then below that, you have a section which is area board, uh, area control, uh, each of them. And then it goes off into the service functions and industrial functions. And so this is how they're going to run the entire system. It goes on to say this idea was not new. Plato believed society functioned best when it was run by experts. Technocracy's focus on engineers was rooted in the conviction that there was a technological fix to almost all of society's problems. Today, the idea that governments are too slow, too inefficient, too lacking in expertise to solve hard problems is widely shared among the engineers and entrepreneurs of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, which I remind you, was built up with government cash, all right? Built up with government cash, CIA and QTEL money pumped into Silicon Valley. That's why I tell you that this idea of the technocracy or the idea of the techno-fascist king coming out of Curtis Yarvin and Peter Thiel, this is in cooperation with the so-called government. The state is actually funding this. The state wants to evolve into the technocracy. This is not a battle of people in the so-called, let's call it Technocracy Inc. Let's still call it that today. This is not Technocracy Inc. battling against these uh, government officials representing the Constitutional Republic. The Constitutional Republic is dead. They want to merge into this idea of a technocracy, which will be a one-world rule under this technological system. It's obvious because if the government was actually fighting for power, if the government really saw the technocracy as a threat or that ideology as a threat, just like the whole fake January 6th thing we had to watch, so you watch the government supposedly fighting back against the insurrectionists, well, if the government really saw the technocracy as a threat, the government would defund Silicon Valley, if not roll in there with army tanks and blow the whole thing up, all right? So that's how you know that the government is 100% on board with moving into the technocratic system. 
And as I'll talk about with Jim from Hotwire, the technocratic system is exactly what the World Economic Forum advocates under the Fourth Industrial Revolution. It all ties together. It's all the same thing. And that's where the introduction of CBDC is going to come from, which is essentially the equivalent of these energy tokens. All right, it goes on to say, this libertarian impulse has always been part of the ethos of Silicon Valley. One of its first and most forceful expressions came in 1995, when tech pioneer John Perry Barlow delivered his, quote, Declaration of the Independence of Cyberspace, end quote, to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, right? So there you have uh, this supposed libertarian out of Silicon Valley. That's the other trick of all this. These guys aren't libertarians, they're authoritarians. Right? And they're in cooperation and partnership with the government. The public-private partnership is one thing. It is the state. It goes on to say, quote, governments of the industrial world, you weary giants of flesh and steel, end quote. The declaration began, quote, I come from cyberspace, the new home of mind, on behalf of the future. I ask you for the past to leave us alone. You are not welcome among us. You have no sovereignty where we gather, end quote. And so I'm telling you, this is the beginning of where the government's uh, of the world shift into one government under this idea of technocracy. That is actually what you're uh, what you're seeing here. And I'll um, pull this up for you. This 1995 John Perry Barlow Declaration. We'll see if we can get that for next show. Uh, declaration. All right, I'm just taking a note there. It goes on to say. Silicon Valley's attitude towards government has become more accommodating since Barlow delivered his declaration, both out of choice and necessity. But there remains a conviction that, left to their own devices, tech companies are better able to solve problems in areas like transportation, education, and healthcare, where decades of government regulation have put a break on innovation. And so this is what I told you, right? that the government has outsourced these jobs, these sectors, to the technologists, to the science scientists, to the engineers. And that is why the public-private partnership is so important, because it is just one giant state. There are no two things. There is not the public sector or the private sector anymore. It's one giant thing called the state, and frankly, I think you can call it a technate at this point. It goes on to say, quote, there's a lack of focus on efficiency, end quote, lamented former Google executive chairman Eric Schmidt on a panel about government and technology in 2019, quote, the reason there's no innovation in government is there's no bonuses for innovation. In fact, if you take a risk and it fails, your career is over, end quote. Well, we know that they've developed programs now through MIT uh, and the CIA where you come in and you develop technology and get patents and you own a piece of those so they incentivize it and then the government takes their money and they float it out to all these guys who worked inside darpa who worked inside cia how many examples of that have we've seen in the research we've been doing here one of peter thiel's company's expanse was co-founded by one guy from the cia and one guy from darpa they leave, supposedly, to start this company, and the money that they get to start it comes from DARPA, or Peter Thiel's Palantir started with CIA money. So you see, the government is really behind all of it. It's an illusion that the government is inefficient. The government is efficient. They want you to believe it's inefficient, but it's highly efficient because it has us all locked down. 
Look how fast they rolled out COVID Land, the high school theater production. That was pretty damn efficient. Now, some of us said, no, I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not following the dotted lines at the grocery store. But at the end of the day, they rolled that out almost literally overnight worldwide. That is highly efficient, which means that the public-private partnership was totally 100% in place and in sync prior to COVID Land, the high school theater production, actually kicking off. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. I'm going to kick myself off to a short break. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, and this is pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's uh, try to work our way through the rest of this. I'm going to go a little long, I think, on this show because I'm going to wrap this up for you today. And this way we can review another article that is very important before we start with Jim of the Hotwire on Friday, folks. And we get into the financial system, the worldwide financial system, and how they are going to usher in CBDC. And it's very detailed. Jim is a very, very detailed individual. So as soon as this show is over, I'm expecting to open my email and to find 10,000 documents in it that I'm going to have to review quickly. All right, it goes on to say, this is the kind of overblown rhetoric we've come to expect from engineers and entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley and their insistence that governments should step aside in favor of true problem solvers is clearly self-serving. But the idea that we should be looking to experts rather than politicians for solutions to massively complex problems like a deadly pandemic or a climate emergency is gaining traction everywhere well i don't look to politicians uh even the people that we supposedly elect these representatives i like when they really really are in a gridlock and can't get anything done because that means we are safe but there's never truly a gridlock folks you know this these people are always scamming and scheming laws always pass every single day if no laws pass we'd be fine we should just go there and undo like a hundred laws a day and then we'd be in a good place So what they're trying to make it seem at this point is that the politicians are inefficient, inefficient, just like humans. And so let's let the technates, let's let the technocrats inside the technate take over. Goes on to say, quote, the idea of an apolitical world is appealing more and more to people, end quote, argues Ari Bartso, a senior researcher at the University of Zurich and a co-editor of a 2020 book called The Technocratic Challenge to Government. Quote, people are tired and they are put off by the commotion and the disagreement of representative politics, end quote, Bartso said, quote, so it's this appeal of an efficient 
efficient, I told you, machine-like system where problems can be identified through evidence, facts, reason, rather than ideological beliefs. I think that a lot of people find that appealing, end quote. Now, here's the danger there, folks. I think you can see it. It's pretty damn clear. That is trust the science, right? All wrapped up in a bumper sticker slogan, trust the science. So it says where the problems can be identified through evidence, facts, reason, rather than ideological beliefs. Well, when they rig the so-called science, the evidence, facts, reason that they use to base the public policy on is swayed by whoever created the research that goes behind the science, right? So... They're saying this idea of an apolitical world is appealing. Yeah, it's appealing to you, you idiot, if the benevolent dictator that you want is in charge. But in today's world, if it's a Republican, half the country is mad. If it's a Democrat, half the country is mad. So now they're going to sell you a benevolent dictator who is supposedly going to appeal to everyone? Well, if he doesn't appeal to you or 50% of you, you are literally stuck under this system, which is going to be an authoritarian system. At least in this country, with as much of a joke as the Constitutional Republic currently is, go back pre-Trump, and even if you were under Obama and you hated it, you still had relative freedom. I mean, there's never going to be absolute freedom or liberty. I'd love that. But that's not going to happen. So now they're going to sell you on this idea of accepting this technocracy managed by the scientists and engineers. But if you don't like it, guess what? You're screwed. Get up and go work at the factory. And here's your energy tokens. I I mean, seriously, if people walk themselves into this, I'm hoping at some point that it will become quite obvious that the gig world and everything is all part of this technique. There are so many people that are pissed off. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people on Facebook groups about Instacart, the grocery app, ripping off drivers. And they're saying they're greedy. Oh, now it just turns out it's a regular old corporation. They're greedy. I go on there once in a while and drop little comments and stuff trying to tell people this is all part of a plan, folks. This is technology. They, they go, oh, you're crazy. Okay, fine. Just believe that Instacart is a couple of greedy business owners ripping you off. Your whole life is going to be this now. The further you're driven into the technate. Goes on to say, Beatso has been studying the rise of, quote, technocratic, end quote, governments around the world, especially in Europe. In February 2021, Mario... Draghi, an economist and former president of the European Central Bank, who had never held political office, was named Italian prime minister to help manage the country's post-pandemic economic recovery. Draghi is a technocrat chosen for the specific experience he brings to the job. Italians are fond of technocrats, especially when times are tough. And Draghi is the fourth technocrat prime minister there since 1993. You can also find cabinet-level technocrats in Greece, France, and Lebanon, among other countries, but none of them would be embraced by technocracy because they are still operating within the price system, still treating, quote, symptoms, end quote, not the disease. While the number of technocrats in government is on the rise, so too is the number of populist politicians who wear their lack of expertise like a badge of honor. 
During the 2020 U.S. presidential campaign, U.S. President Donald Trump mocked his opponent Joe Biden for saying he would, quote, listen to the scientists, end quote, when it came to managing COVID-19. Quote, if I listen totally to the scientists, end quote, Trump proclaimed, quote, we'd have a country right now that would be in a massive depression, end quote. But there's been a price for not listening to the experts. Countries run by populist leaders of various shades, particularly the U.S., Brazil, and the U.K., have recorded among the highest COVID-19 death rates. Again, this is written in 2021, so you're seeing a little of the misdirection propaganda here by bringing COVID in and using COVID as a way to frame up whether or not listening to the technocrats or listening to the so-called populist political candidates, of which in the end of the day, folks, come on, Trump was not that. Um, but th- this is okay. I'm going to continue to read this because I think it's important because it puts it into context with what's going on today. It goes on to say, for long-time technocracy incorporated supporters like Ed Bleschmidt, the idea that anyone would question the science around the pandemic or anything else is mystifying, quote. You can't argue with science and technology, end quote. He insisted, quote, science exists and scientific fact is fact. You can't have a political position about it. You have to recognize it and implement science, end quote. There you go. So that's an instrumental technocrat from the old days telling you that you should go along with whatever the scientists tell you to do under the pandemic. And then that was part of the pandemic. I was talking about that with Maria Albanese last night. Part of COVID land, the high school theater production was to sell the new bumper sticker slogan, trust the science. And when they're ready to roll out another worldwide pandemic, you will see that people will jump right back on board with it. They'll be tattooing trust the science on their forehead. Goes on to say, but as we've discovered during the pandemic, science could sometimes speak with many voices. And by definition, representative democracy requires a constant balancing act among competing interests. Governments have to listen to the scientists, but also to business people, parents, and others. Yeah, it's called representative government. Burnsell believes that by insisting on finding the one correct solution to every problem, technocracy has presented a false dichotomy. Quote, there is not one type of scientific knowledge and no one way of governing social problems, end quote. Technocracy, give him a round of applause for that one, folks. Technocracy Incorporated began nearly 100 years ago by seeking answers to two important questions. Why, on a continent so rich in natural resources, energy, and industrial capacity, were so many people suffering? And how could democracy, with all its obvious imperfections, continue to function effectively in a world where science and technology played an ever more dominant role? Technocracy's answer to both those questions were bold, radical, overly complicated, and wildly impractical. Today, no one is talking about a North American technate or a 16-hour work week or replacing money with energy certificates. But it would be wrong to dismiss Technocracy Incorporated as just another failed utopian scheme. Not while the answers to those two questions remains so elusive. So let's just look at those two questions one more time. Number one, why on a continent so rich in natural resources, energy, and industrial capacity were so many people suffering? And number two, how could democracy, with all its obvious imperfections, continue to function effectively in a world where science and technology played an ever more dominant role? 
Well, I think the answer to number one, folks, why on a continent so rich in natural resources, energy, and industrial capacity were so many people suffering? Well, I don't know. Didn't they just say that technology put people out of work? The machines put people out of work. The robots put people out of work. The AI will put people out of work. Is that one reason why these people are suffering? Everyone else who generally doesn't work is disabled, gets some kind of welfare, disability. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to distribute energy coupons to everyone. So it's just welfare for everyone. Is that going to make people less suffer? I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. The other one, how could democracy with all its obvious imperfections continue to function effectively in a world where science and technology played an ever more dominant role? Well, as they said, the scientists and the technologists are building this system in which it forces people to have to adopt the scientists and technologists to be the ones to oversee that very system. So they've created a situation that allows them to rise to power, folks. And as this author says, no one is talking about a North American technate. Well, we're talking about a technique. We're talking about the technocracy. It's not just us talking about it. These people are doing it. The technologists, the scientists, the engineers, the technocrats are building the technique. They've been busy building the technique. They just went around so-called representative government to get it done. And now the government and the technocrats are merged and the technique is rising. He mentions this 16-hour work week. Well, if you give everyone universal basic income, and somehow that's going to be enough to allow people to survive, then I guess they're going to probably lower themselves down to a 16-hour work week, because what reason do they have to actually go to work? Of course, that universal basic income is not going to last forever, folks. You don't really believe that Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and the rest of the gang are going to get up every morning greasing the wheels, oiling the gears of the technocratic machine in order to pump out Amazon goods to deliver to your door that you get for a trade-in on your energy coupons that they give you. And they're going to let you sit home and eat Lay's potato chips on your couch while you use up all their energy playing video games. That will never happen, ladies and gentlemen. This is the world you are moving into. They say right here that people are not talking about replacing money with energy certificates. Well, we will see what Jim of the Hotwire says about that. Because in all accounts, it looks like the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, is going to be the equivalent of these energy certificates. Of course, it'll be based on carbon credits, but that is going to be the same thing, folks. It is just semantics. So now you know a little bit about the history of technocracy, about Howard Scott, about Joshua Hadelman and Elon Musk connection and tie in to the founding of this idea of 
technocracy, folks. Tomorrow, we will delve deeper into this so that you have a more solid understanding before we jump into our series with Jim of the Hotwire. Ladies and gentlemen, long live the technate. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.